Alrighty, everybody. Welcome back to the Des Des Sports Podcast. I'm your lovely host, Des. And I am so, so, so excited to be back on the podcast. It has been a while. I think this is my first podcast of 2021, or at least the first recorded podcast of 2021. I think. I'm probably wrong, but I think. And if I think, then I am. And that's what philosophy has taught me. So I believe that I am correct. Anyways, we're going to move on because we've got a lot to talk about. It is 2021 and not much has changed. Okay, there's still, you know, the world is still kind of crazy. There's not a ton of things going for us, but you know what there is? There's one thing that's going for us all. Do you know what that is? It's the Desda Sports Podcast, baby. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank, you're too nice. You're too nice. Okay. Anyways, we have a lot to get into. There's some baseball news. Tons of baseball news. There's some old news that I, I haven't done a podcast on yet. And there's some new news that just happened like a day ago. So we got some news to get into for baseball. There's actually very sad breaking news that happened on the day of this recording. We'll get into that too. But this podcast is going to be an awesome podcast. We're not going to be sad for too long. We'll do a moment of silence. But after that, we got to get right in to some awesome news. Not much has happened in bat. Excuse me. And not much has happened in basketball because it's the beginning of the season and nothing really matters. Sorry, but it's true. Nothing is really happening. And as far as football goes, well, we've got, we got some interesting stuff to talk about on the football uh, section of this podcast because everybody, it is finally, it is finally playoffs. Uh, Playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Well, I'm sorry, Coach Mora. We're going to talk about playoffs today. So if you don't want to hear that, then you can jump off the pod. But I'm pretty sure everybody wants to hear Dez give his bad opinions or good opinions. They're all good. But I'll just, you know, for fairness sake, I'll give my opinions on the NFL playoffs for 2021. We've got an awesome wildcard weekend. It's got six games over two days. Incredible action. This should be what every year is like because, wow, it's going to be so fun. We'll get into that later because we got to save the best for last. So let's get into baseball for right now. Let's start with some baseball news. Now, I can't remember when it happened, and I really don't care, but the Padres traded for two pitchers within two days. I think in the span of 24 hours, they traded to the Tampa Bay Rays, a bunch of players who probably won't matter, uh, and they got Blake Snell, which is an awesome gain for the for the Padres. Now, I'm a, I'm a Dodger fan. I'm not even going to hide it. I don't, I, I'm a Dodger fan. I, I have a little bit of an inherent bias towards the Dodgers because I love them. They've been my team since I've been a kid, and we finally won something, and I'm so happy that our organization is no longer looked at as those sorry bums that can't win anything. Now we're the sorry bums that have only won one thing in the past 30 years, which is fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, however, the Padres are making schmoofs because they don't want to be, they don't want to be taking it from the Dodgers anymore. Last season, the Dodgers kind of owned them. I think they played them a bunch and the Dodgers beat them in the season series five to three. And they also uh, swept them in the first series of the playoffs. I think it was a divisional round. Uh, and so I don't think the Padres like that very much, okay? Especially their GM. Their GM, you know, he he was like Michael Jordan. He, he took that personally. And so he decided, you know what? We need to make moves. And so he made some moves. 
He made a lot of moves. He traded for Blake Snell, like I just told you. Blake Snell was the guy who was the Dodger killer. And once he was taken out, the Dodgers were like, oh, finally, we can score runs now. And then they scored runs and won the World Series. Blake Snell is a very good pitcher. And it definitely scares me as a Dodger fan that he's on the Padres because we have to play him a lot. However, that also makes me hopeful because when you see him more often, you tend to be a little bit better against a pitcher that you see a lot rather than a pitcher you don't see very often. In fact, there's a chance you never see across the entire season. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's I think it's nice for the Padres to be good too because I think it's going to make the competition better. And I don't mind losing uh, to the Padres, you know. Um, I mean, obviously it sucks to lose. You never want to lose, but I don't think it hurts any more to lose to the Padres than just to lose. So from a Dodger perspective, I'm like, hey, that's cool. You're making your team good. Now, what really sucked is they went out and they traded for you Darvish. And I don't think you Darvish is any better than Blake Snell. Don't get me wrong. Okay, that's not why I hate it. I hate it because you Darvish has this thing where he's like, I want to beat the Dodgers. I'm so, you know, focused on wanting to beat the Dodgers ever since he blew the World Series Game 7. And and here's the thing. I don't even know if it was his fault. Was he really tipping pitches or were the Astros just cheating? I have no idea. They allege that they never had any they never had any cheating going on outside of Minute Maid Park. But I mean, I'm not going to believe a cheater. <laughs> I'm not going to believe the guys who cheated when they're like, "Okay, well, yeah, we cheated at home, but we didn't cheat away." It's like Dude, you already have weak sense of morals and ethics. Like, I'm not going to believe in you. <laughs> I'm not going to believe anything you say. But allegedly, they didn't cheat away in, in away stadiums. So maybe you Darvish really was t- tipping his pitches, but they kind of stole a lot of money from him. And I don't hold a lot of animosity towards you Darvish. I really, you know, I'm glad that he's revived his career. I'm glad that he looks like he's good again. But at the end of the day, man... I just, I don't want him to get the satisfaction of being the Dodgers. I mean, look, it's your own fault you sucked. It's not the Dodgers' fault that you sucked and couldn't win a World Series. So why are you trying to get back at the team that you screwed over by sucking? It doesn't make any sense to me. But all in the competitive spirit, go for it. He's a good pitcher. He's definitely not a shutdown, I'm never going to let you score kind of pitcher, but he does have a low ERA. So we'll see if he can continue that. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe he can't continue it. Maybe he can. And they also have Denilson Lamette. I don't know how to say his name, but he's supposed to be a really good pitcher. And he was injured, so he wasn't playing in the in the playoffs. And that was kind of the story of the Padres years uh, last year is that they were injured. And a lot of Padre fans want to say that's why they lost. I think they lost because the Dodgers were objectively the better team. But it's okay. We, we can say you guys were injured. That's fine. I don't mind uh, having the Padres be good again. I just have I have a problem with the Padres gloating before they've even played a game. They're like, "Oh, dude, we're gonna we're gonna destroy the Dodgers this year." It's like, "Hey, why don't we play a series together and then we'll then we'll see." I mean, let your teams playing do the talking for you, and then you never look like an idiot. Well, I'm that's actually a little hypocritical because Des does a lot of talking. And sometimes my teams lose, and then I look bad, just like how I doubted the Buffalo Bills, and now they look really good. And I've got to admit to that. I was wrong, and I actually have no problem with being wrong. But it definitely was one of those things where it was like, they'll lose, and then they don't. And I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, okay, they're going to lose next week, and then they don't. And I'm like, they're going to lose next week, and they don't. And I'm like, Ugh. stop it, guys. You're making me look bad. But it's okay. I will admit it. Des got something wrong. Uh, the Bills look like they're a very good team. I don't think they're going to compete for a World uh, World Series. I don't think they're going to compete for a Super Bowl this year, but we'll get into that later because they're in the playoffs. 
The other uh, MLB news I want to report on is that we have a huge trade update. And if you're a fan of the team from Queens, then you're in luck because Steve Cohen is giving the Mets a, a makeover. A new look Mets team is coming to you. And the first move that did that is them getting Francisco Lindor on a trade. They also got a pitcher as well who Carrasco is his last name. I can't remember his first name. It was like Kenny Carrasco. They got him as well Two, I mean, the pitcher is a good, is a good player for sure. He's a consistent, good starting pitcher. He's not anything, you know, where you're going to be like, Oh my God, he's a Cy Young, but he's, he's good and consistent. And they got Francisco Lindor, who's a perennial all-star. And they gave up nothing. They literally gave up nothing. It was a highway robbery. And Cleveland was like, yeah, we like this. We definitely like it. The old Mets, man, they would just be like, okay, give us your your leftover. Like, give us all the players that you would like, that, that you, you don't mind trading away. And we'll just trade you all of our good players. And now it's like, hey, um, your good player is ours now. And we're going to give you whatever we feel like giving you. And Cleveland was like, all right. I mean, we need to drop salary. So, sure. It was a dumb move, though. They got the number nine and number 10 guys in the Mets farm system number nine and ten they didn't even get a top five prospect for Lindor and they got Ahmed Rosario who's an average shortstop and they got an infielder who hits a little bit worse than they got a like a versatile infielder that can play a couple positions and he hits worse than Ahmed Rosario and I'm like how did they do it how did they give away literally nobody (laughs) I don't know they could have just I mean, at that point, you just let him walk. You just let him walk in free agency. I don't know how you're even... It was unbelievable. I'm still confused by it. Cleveland fans, I'm sorry that you, number one, live in Cleveland, and number two, this happens. But hey, the Browns broke their uh, their postseason drought, so, you know, it's not all bad. Go drink a Bud, all right? Uh, last piece of baseball news. We'll do a moment of silence. I think it's the only uh, respectful thing to do, but Tommy Lasorda died at age 93 today very sad he was a longtime dodger a longtime dodger manager but he was always a dodger i mean even when he didn't really work with the organization anymore he was always in the stands he was a huge part of that organization and still it well i mean still was up until yesterday and it's very sad and there's a lot of people around the league who really beloved tommy lasorda it doesn't just go to dodger people i mean he was one of those figures that was kind of transcendent he kind of transcended his team while still loving his team you know uh and so everybody really loved him and it's a huge loss and i'm super sad about it but i'm glad at least that he was able to see the dodgers win a world series before he went and i i'm glad that you know even in in this crazy year at least at least we were all able to come together as los angeles dodger fans and celebrate that. Uh, and I'm glad he was a part of it. Uh, there's also some sad news as well. We'll do the same moment of silence for Vin Scully's wife. I can't remember her name. Sandy, I think. Very sad. She died as well. I think she was much younger, though. She was in her 80s. So, um, you know, we'll do a moment of silence now. We'll, we'll, we'll sit for maybe like 15 seconds. Um, but very sad. Let's a uh, moment of silence for, for two baseball, well, um, Two people who were definitely name-worthy in baseball.
All right. Thank you. Now, let's get on to the fun part of the Des Dust Sports podcast. We're going to start talking about playoffs. Uh, playoffs? Yes, playoffs. We're going to start talking about playoffs right now. I, I'm so happy that playoffs are here. I, I am so stoked. I'm ready to watch some games tomorrow. I'm ready to watch a game on Sunday. I am just, I am ready. I'm ready to watch football. Playoff football. Okay? And you know what? You like that? You like that? I do like that. Thank you, Kirk Cousins. And you should like that too. Okay? Because playoff football is where it gets fun. Regular season football? Yeah, good. I'll watch it if I can. But, you know, some games it's like, I don't care what they're showing on TV. You know? Uh, the game I, I want to watch doesn't come on for another three hours. I'm just watching some garbage game that's already over in the first quarter you know sometimes you get those kinds of games but playoff football see when you get a blowout in playoff football it's somehow worse because you have nothing over to you have nothing else to switch to so you the game's got to be good right no not really uh they're not always really good but you know that's that's how it goes. That's how the cookie crumbles. Sometimes you get a bad game and, and you kind of feel like... Another time you get a great game and you're like, yes, thank you. People were scoring. Uh, and there's really there's really no rhyme or reason between that. Okay, you've either got a good game or you've got a bad game. And we've got some good games to talk about. I think we're going to have some good games. I have some upset alerts I want to let you guys in on. Um, but before we get to playoff football, I know I'm really, I'm really teasing you guys, but before we get to playoff football, there's just a few things I want to remark about, um, for the consolation teams. You know, the, these are the teams where, well, basically, but they are who we thought they were and they sucked and they didn't make the playoffs. So these are those teams, you know, I'm, I, I want to say, you know, thanks for, for showing up, but you get a participation trophy to, um, the, the, the Jets, I want to say you get a participation trophy to the Texans. I want to say you get a participation trophy to the 49ers, the Jaguars, the Falcons, the Eagles, the Bengals, the Lions, the Broncos, the Panthers, the Giants, the Cowboys, and it stops, or no, I'm sorry, then the Patriots, <laughs> the Vikings, the Chargers, and the Raiders, and lastly, but not leastly, the Cardinals and Dolphins. And those are all the teams who missed the playoffs. So if your team was on that list, I'm sorry. But we're not going to be talking about your team that much. You're, except for the Houston Texans because they pissed off Deshaun Watson, which has been the news. And now I'm thinking, man, trades? Deshaun Watson could be on the move? Now, I don't think there's a high chance of that. But I'm just sitting here watching the chaos go down and thinking, oh, yeah. This is par for the course for 2020. It's got to happen, right? I know we're in 2021, but still, what a crazy, what a crazy day that would be if they had to trade Deshaun Watson. It would be nuts. Basically, what happened is the owner promised Deshaun Watson that he would be able to give his input on who they hire for coach and GM, and that, and that they would be able to have significant like Im input into who they want, and and the team would take that into consideration and make their decision based on all the information they had and who they liked and who the players liked. And then they hired Nick Casario as their GM for six years. And he's earning like, I think $6 million a year, which is good for top third out of all GMs. And 
Deshaun Watson was not asked. In fact, Deshaun Watson didn't want Nick Casario. He wanted somebody else. And the coach that he wants, uh, Eric Bieniemy, the OC from the Chiefs, he's like, I think that guy would be great for our team. I would love to play for him. They're not even, they haven't even offered, they haven't even asked to interview him yet. He's not on the list that they've asked for, or at least that's my understanding of it. So he's, he's kind of pissed. And the owner is like, we're all in alignment. You know, we all understand there's no animosity. No one's getting traded. We're all sticking together. But Deshaun Watson, I mean, I've had multiple reports that I've seen that shows that he's kind of pissed. He's kind of, he's kind of upset. He's kind of not really happy at all. So, you know, maybe he could be on the move to a contender sometime soon because I don't think Houston's, well, maybe, maybe they'll contend next year, but I feel like this year was just horrible. And especially trading away DeAndre Hopkins, that's going to set them back at least a year, if not two. So who knows? And they don't have their third pick in the draft, okay, because they traded that away to Miami. So Miami's got their pick. So it's rough. It is rough. However, moving on, to the playoffs, uh, just to finish up, for all those teams I named earlier, for all those teams, I'm sorry to say, but... You get nothing! You lose! Good day, sir! So, sorry about that. But we'll just, uh, we'll we'll wipe our hands off and we're going to get right into the playoffs now. We've got some awesome games to get into. Saturday has three games. It's going to start the early game, uh, Pacific Time, 10 a.m., Eastern time, 1 p.m. is going to be the Indianapolis Colts at the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are favored by six and a half points, and I honestly think that there's no way they can lose this game because the Indianapolis Colts offense is too inconsistent, and Phillip Rivers will always throw his signature pick, and I feel like it's just going to be too much for the Indianapolis Colts to actually come back from. Uh, You know, they, they had a chance to really show up against the Steelers, and it looked like they were going to do it. And then the second half, the offense just like they like took the entire half off. They didn't do anything. They got one field goal and they were done. And the field goal happened on like the first drive out of halftime. It's nuts, dude. They just took the entire game off and they lost the game. Go figure. So I just don't know if the Colts can actually put together a solid offensive game like that. And I honestly have to say, like I was saying earlier, I have to apologize to the Bills. I do think they're a very good team. I think they're insane. Their offensive stats are all very good except for rushing yards. And the one player I doubted the most was Josh Allen, so I do have to kind of apologize about that because they somehow picked a quarterback with bad stats coming out of college uh, and and potential, but unrecognized potential. And they somehow got him to they, – they, they, they coached him up to that potential. And, you know, there's something to be said about that. They're very impressive. I thought it was a horrible pick. But you know what? It turned out to be a really good one. And y- who would have known? Who would have known? Not me. Their defense is also pretty good. Good enough for about, like, you know, middle of the pack, maybe 15th in the league. Uh, They're 13th at yards per game, 13th at passing yards, um, 17th in rushing yards, and 16th in points per game, and 13th on opponent third down percentage. Which is, I mean, that's really good. They're better than Indianapolis in... They're only better than Indianapolis in two of those stats, though. They're only better than the Indy defense in passing yards per game, and third down percentage. See, but that's bad. For rushing yards on offensive stats, they're actually 20th in the league. So the fact that the fact that the strong suit, third in the league on passing yards for the Buffalo Bills, and the passing defense for Indianapolis is the worst part of their defense, that's bad. 
I think that's also a problem for Indianapolis. Sure, you can stop the the rushing game of the Buffalo Bills. Go for it. But can if you can't stop the passing game, I mean, yikes. You're in for a long day of running around the field. Um, but the yards per game, Indy, Indy holds uh, people pretty well on yards per game. They're good enough for seventh in the league on that. So we'll see. We will absolutely see. And they're better on points per game as well. They average, they keep people to an average of almost a point lower than, than Buffalo does. So, you know, who knows? I think everyone's playing. I don't think there's anyone who's injured on either side. So it'll be an interesting game for sure. And I'm not going to necessarily be able to watch this game, but I will do my best to record it and watch the game when I get home. And we'll just do like a night of football on the, on Saturday night and I'll get to watch the Indianapolis Colts game and the half of the game I'm going to miss of the Seattle Seahawks and Rams game because I have to work, unfortunately. But sometimes you got to get the bread and then come home and watch a fun game. Now, the next game, the LA Rams at Seattle Seahawks. This is a very interesting game. It's going to take place at 1.40 p.m. Pacific or uh, 4.40 p.m. Eastern. We still don't have any clue to who's starting at quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. We think it's probably most likely going to be John Wolford, but there was a report that came out today that Jared Goff said, maybe it wasn't today, but there's a report that came out and Jared Goff said, if the team asks me to play, if the coaches believe that I'm the best decision going out there, I will play. That's what he said. He said, if, if, if if it comes down to me, if they ask me if I can play, I'm going out there and I'm playing. You know, and so I don't know if he's he's not going to be 100 percent, I don't think, but he could potentially start. And I think if he does, it gives the Rams a much better, a much better chance to win the game. And here's another thing. The defense of the Rams is unbelievably good. They rank number one in the league uh, at yards per game, passing yards per game allowed points per game. Oh, just those three. Sorry. Des saw four number ones when there's only three number ones. But the other two, rushing yards and third down percentage, they rank third. All of those marks are better than the Seattle's defense. Seattle's defense, not very good. Uh, really not very good. As far as passing yards, they're almost last. They're allowed yards per game, 23rd. They don't allow a lot of rushing yards per game, but you know what? That doesn't even matter too much, I think, because... The Rams aren't necessarily a bruising rushing team. I mean, they do rank 10th in rushing yards per game, but I don't really feel like the Rams are that crazy good of a rushing team anyways. It definitely supplements the passing game. Uh, and so if they can't get it going, then that's a problem. But that's the best stat that the defense has for Seattle is that they're, they're good at rushing defense. That's it. Points per game, they're 15th. And third down percentage... And opponent third down percentage, they're 27th in the league. Objectively, that's a bad defense. And even on offense, you know, you're thinking, well, Seattle's got such a great offense. Well, not, they're only 12th in yards per game, 16th in passing yards per game, 12th in rushing yards per game, 8th in points per game, and 20th in their own third down percentage. You know, points per game is their best stat, but they their offense actually isn't as good as you think. And the Rams' offense isn't too much, isn't too far behind. They're 15th at yards per game. The Seattle was 12th. They're 13th in passing yards per game, which is even better than Seattle. Can you believe that? They're 10th in rushing yards per game. That's better than Seattle. 
they're tied for 22nd in points per game, though. They don't score a ton of points, but that's because their defense has been so imposing they haven't necessarily needed to. And I think they also settle for field goals more often than not. And then their third down percentage is just barely better. Or actually, it's 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 a few percentage points better, but it's good for eight places better at 12th while Seattle was 20th. So offensively, I think if Jared Goff plays, they have the they have the advantage offensively and defensively. And I think, to be completely honest with you, this is my upset of the weekend. This is my biggest chance upset. I really think Seattle Seahawks are favored by, I think, three and a half points in this game at the moment. And I think that is a huge, I think it's a huge place for the Rams to upset them. Not just on point spread, but also just win the game in general. I think the Rams can absolutely do it. I think their defense is good enough too. And Aaron Donald said when they won the game against Arizona, Aaron Donald said, like, we're really happy that we got the Seattle Seahawks again because we feel, you know, like we can, that, that we're going to, you know, go back and, and play him again. And this time they're going to beat him. We'll see if that actually happens, but I think they match up really well. And I think the Rams play the Seahawks incredibly well, dating back to, what was it, like 2015 or something? I looked back, the last 12 games that the Rams have played the Seahawks, the Rams are eight and four. They've won twice as many times as they thought as, as they've lost. And and that's going back to before Jared Goff and McVay. That's going back to Jeff Fisher. They still beat them with Jeff Fisher. They were always like a five-win team with Jeff Fisher. They still beat the Seahawks. And the Seahawks were at that time winning Super Bowls. They were going, you know, they had the the Legion of Boom. Really great defense. They had Russell Wilson doing insane things like running around like Fran Tarkenton and just completing passes and miracle comebacks against the Green Bay Packers, all of that. And they still lost to the, to the Rams. I think twice that year that they went to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Look, I'm not trying to tell you that the Rams are a shoe in to win, but I think if any game is going to be an upset, this, this, if any game is going to be an upset, I think that is the game I would watch for it to be an upset. There is another game on Sunday that we'll get into. I think that one might be an upset as well. But I think the Rams over the Seahawks, that's my upset pick. If you want to know my picks, Buffalo Bills. Do I think they'll cover six and a half points? You bet I do. I think they're going to win by 10. I think they'll cover. I think they'll score at least, they'll win by at least a touchdown. I don't think that game's going to be crazy super close. I think it's going to be close, but eventually the defense is not going to be able to hold the Buffalo Bills offense. I mean, that passing attack's really good. And so I think the Buffalo Bills are just going to score too much and the Colts aren't going to be able to score as much as they'd like. And I think that's going to force Aaron, um, I think it's going to force Philip Rivers into some bad passes. But this is also the first time we've seen Philip Rivers in the playoffs since they got absolutely embarrassed by the New England Patriots, uh, the, the Chargers, that is. So maybe he maybe he writes the wrong, maybe he starts winning, you know, trying to trying to win a Super Bowl, just like the other two quarterbacks who are notable from his draft did. But, you know, then again, maybe not. And I don't think so. I'm definitely I'm definitely hammering the Bills on this one. I think they cover over 6.5. The Rams and the Seahawks, I think the Rams, I think the Rams will win, in my opinion, and I'm picking them to win. They're my upset. However, if Jared Goff doesn't play, I think the Seahawks will win and the Seahawks will cover. But if Jared Goff plays, I think the Rams will win. The Seahawks won't cover at a minimum. Even if they do win, they won't cover. Now, the next game is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing in Landover, Maryland to play the Washington football team. 
who came in with a fire hot seven and nine record into the playoffs. They're favored by eight points. The Buccaneers are favored by eight points over the home team, Washington football team. Now I am, I, as soon as I saw this matchup, I was thinking it didn't matter whether it was the giants or Washington football team. I think the Buccaneers are a guaranteed lock for winning this game. Uh, eight points. That's a lot to cover by, but I think in this, in this case, the Bucks will absolutely cover. Let me explain. Washington's offensive stats per game. This is just an average. I know it's not all Alex Smith. And with Alex Smith, they're 5-1 and one football team. But, you know, I almost want to look at who he's played against before I get too intense about his record being 5-1. and one. Okay, you know, he's played in six games. He played in a game against Philadelphia, against San Francisco, against Pittsburgh, against Dallas, against Cincinnati, and then against Detroit, New York Giants, and the Rams. Yeah, he played against the Rams. The loss was against the Rams, although he didn't start that game. He he only started the, the six before that against the Giants, Detroit, Cincinnati, Dallas, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Philly. Now, when I read out those, those team names, there's really only one team that's like really good. And that's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Was it necessarily Alex Smith that beat the Pittsburgh Steelers? In my opinion, no, it wasn't. In my opinion, the defense really made it hard for Pittsburgh to score any points. And their offense kind of shut down. And they picked off Big Ben right at the end to score a field goal that pretty much iced the game. Now, I know Alex Smith did throw a couple touchdown passes. They were down by, like, I don't know, like 14 points or something, and they came back to take the lead 17-14 in that game. I know. I'm not discounting what he's done. I think what Alex Smith has done is incredible. But I do think that it's important to put it into context of who he's played. Philadelphia, San Francisco. San Francisco has a pretty good defense, but come on, their offense has been in the hospital in and out the entire year. Dallas just never lived up to the expectations. Dak going down was probably the worst thing that could have happened. Cincinnati, I think when they played Cincinnati, there was no Joe Burrow at that point. Uh, He was already gone. So, you know, even if they did play with Joe Burrow, I think I would still say, but it's the Bengals. Detroit, geez, Detroit. Yeah, they're bad. Detroit's really bad. He threw for 390 yards in that game. No touchdowns, but he threw for 390 yards in that game because Detroit's defense is horrible. And it's not just me who thinks it's horrible. I think a lot of people who think it's horrible because it's true. It's horrible. And then against the Giants, he prob- he had probably his worst game. He threw for 325 yards. That's all good. But he only had one touchdown pass and three interceptions. So not, not the greatest. Um, not the greatest at all. And, you know, the Giants have a great defense, but offensively, eh. eh Danny Dimes probably isn't the future in New York. But, you know... Regardless, I, I think he's really only played against one quality team. And I'm not counting the Rams game. That was not, he didn't start that game. He took over because somebody got injured. So I'm not counting that game. He only had 37 yards. He went nine of 17. Obviously the Rams defense was too much for him. And the Rams defense is really good. I don't blame him for that. But, you know, when he went against Pittsburgh, he he had a modest 296 yards and a touchdown. And they won. He, I mean, he was good enough to win. He didn't throw a pick. That's awesome. But if you look at his touchdown to interception ratio over the six games he started where he went five and one, he's got a total of six touchdowns 
and a total of eight interceptions. He's six and eight. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh? Just saying, man, if the Buccaneers defense is able to get a, a turnover or two on Alex Smith, the game is already over. I mean, as soon as he throws that second pick, I don't care what the score is. It could be tied. The game is over. I, I'm sorry. That Buccaneers defense that Buccaneers defense almost functions around getting a turnover. If they don't get a turnover, they play pretty bad. They need a turnover. And I think the Buccaneers defense is going to get not just one, but I think they'll get two turnovers, whether they're fumbles or, or interceptions. And I wouldn't be so surprised if they don't, if they don't, you know, make life really hard for Alex Smith. However, I have been talking quite a bit about Alex Smith. There's a chance. There's a real chance that just came out three hours ago before I, I posted this podcast that Alex Smith doesn't start. His, his status is in question for tomorrow. And you know, a, a report coming out tonight is bad when your game starts tomorrow night, he has 24 hours to feel good because there's a real chance that Taylor Heineke will be under center for the Washington football team's wildcard matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers sources told NFL networks, Ian Rappaport, and I'm reading it from one of the reports. His calf, Alex Smith's calf, is still sore and it hasn't loosened up. So we're wondering, because he did miss two games last month due to his calf injury before returning for the crucial game against the Philadelphia Eagles that got them to the playoffs. Uh, we're wondering if he's even going to play. Head coach Ron Rivera apparently said Tuesday that he'll look at the possibility of rotating Smith and Heineke against the Bucks. Heineke took the majority of snaps in practice this week. That's also a kind of a big sign. It... That, that's that's kind of major that he took it in practice. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? Okay, I know, I know you might say, well, practice practice isn't the game, okay? That doesn't mean he's not going to start. I understand. I understand. But even Jared Goff, who had his surgery like six days ago, was back throwing at practice. So it is kind of big, okay? It is kind of a big deal that he's not at practice. I mean, if you don't practice for the game, yeah, you can watch all the film you want, but you're going to look weird if you're not practicing. And I know he's a veteran, and I know he probably doesn't need to practice super crazy hard to stay in shape and get the idea of what concepts they're running. But practice is really important. If you can't practice well, you're probably not in an NFL team. And you know how I know that? It's called the, the long and tragic story of Tim Tebow. He was horrible in practice. Tim Tebow was awful. Everywhere he went, always the report. He's bad in practice, but he's good in the game. And it's weird because if you're bad in practice, your coach can't trust you. I mean, on, the, the coach makes their decisions based on what they see in practice, and they evaluate what's going to happen in the game. And a lot of times, these coaches, the NFL coaches, they're really good at evaluating from practice. Some coaches aren't, like Bill O'Brien or, you know, maybe a, a coach like Anthony Lynn. You know, I, I don't know. I don't want to bad talk these coaches because they have a hard job. You know, I don't think I could do any better, but from a bird's eye perspective that I have not being within an organization, not really knowing, I mean, in general, the coach does a good job at evaluating in practice what's going to happen on the field. It, it matters. Practicing matters. It matters how you practice. It matters that you put a lot of effort into your practice. I mean, you never hear that Aaron Rodgers just doesn't practice well. You don't hear that Russell Wilson doesn't practice well. You don't hear that Patrick Mahomes doesn't practice well. You don't hear that Brady doesn't practice well. It's it's important to practice. So all I'm saying is either way, I think even if Alex Smith starts, it's going to be a little bit of a rocky time, especially in the first quarter, because he didn't practice. 
And I think it's looking like Taylor Heineke will probably get the majority of snaps, whether that's 51% or 80 to 90%. I think he will get the majority, but I think we'll probably see Alex Smith at some point, especially if Washington is having a real tough time. They'll probably give him some painkillers, wrap up the leg, and let him go out there. But who knows? Um, you know, throwing six touchdowns and eight picks, though, I don't know. That's kind of a yeesh. That's kind of a bad stat. Uh, you definitely, it, that's not a stat that I find very uh, inspiring. So we'll see. And then, of course, because this is the Desda Sports Podcast, let me just go through the percentages real quick. Washington, as far as an offensive team, they're 30th in the league at yards per game, but the Bucks are 11. They're 25th in passing yards per game. The Bucks are second. They are 26th in rushing yards per game. The Bucks are tied for 28th, actually. So they have a little bit of a, of a hand up by six total yards on average over the Bucks there. So if you think that's going to make a difference, <laughs> knock yourself out. They're tied for 25th in points per game, while the Bucks are third in points per game. And as far as their own third down percentage, they're tied for 23rd while the Bucs are sitting at 11. So the Bucs pretty much have a hand up in almost every category. The only category being rushing yards where Washington has a slight hand up on them, being two spots better. Defensive stats per game. This is the fun one to look at because obviously defensive stat, the, the defense of the Washington football team is where they are the are their best. So... Yards per game, they're second. Really good. In passing yards per game, they're second. That's awesome. The rushing yards per game, they're tied for 13th. They're actually they're actually not super good at rushing yards per game. And the Buccaneers, mind you, are first in rushing defense. So I'm just saying, if Tyler Heineke starts, okay, and he can't seem to get anything going in the passing game, they are screwed because their rushing game, their rushing defense of Tampa is awesome. The passing yards defense of Tampa, not so good. They're 21st in the league. That's where they need to beat them. And I'm just not sold that either of these quarterbacks are going to be able to do that. I'm not quite sold that either of these quarterbacks will actually be able to beat the Tampa defense consistently enough to score enough points to beat the Bucs. And by the way, yards per game for Tampa, they're sitting at ninth. So uh, defensive yards per game. So they're not that bad as far as yards per game. And especially the Tampa Bay defense is really good at rushing yards and points per game. Now, in points per game, Washington football team are fourth. But the Buccaneers are only two points higher than them, sitting at eighth in eighth place. This is going to be a nice a nice game because I think the Bucs have a bend but don't break defense. So I think, yeah, the yards, the total yards per game, the passing yards, the rushing yards, they look kind of inflated. But I feel like when you get that team, when that defense gets into the red zone, they get a little bit more pep in their step. You know, the, the coverage team gets a little bit better because you don't have to cover so much area. And I think it's going to make it hard on Washington to score touchdowns, especially because Washington's red zone offense has been very hit or miss. And then we've got uh, on third down percentage, uh, opponent third down percentage, Washington is sixth in the league, Tampa Bay's 14th. So obviously Washington has a step up and an upper hand on defense. Offensively, Tampa Bay has an overwhelming hand up on Washington, especially in the passing game. And it's going to come down to, can Tom Brady beat Washington's secondary? And can he get the ball out of his hands quick enough to not be sacked every single play by the awesome defensive line they built in Washington with Chase Young and 
the other guys that are on that defensive line that I'm forgetting, which I shouldn't be because they're awesome players. Let me look at their roster so I don't just give you guys bad, uh, bad podcasting here. Um, they've got Ryan Kerrigan. He's pretty good. Montez Sweat is great. Chase Young is awesome. I think Ryan Anderson has been pretty good as a as a backup. I hope I didn't just make myself look stupid. I, I actually have no idea about Ryan Anderson, but I know Kerrigan, Sweat, and Young. Those have all been really good DEs for them. And, uh, you know, they got a formidable defense for sure. They got Landon Collins as one of their safeties. He used to be a good player for the for the Giants, but I think he got in trouble with drugs or something, so now he's there. As far as wide receivers go, they're not super talented. They've got, oh man, Dontrell Inman. I don't even think he's a starter. They've got Steven Sims, Isaiah Wright, or Cam Sims. They have two Sims, Steven Sims and Cam Sims. I didn't even know that. I know Terry McLaurin starts, and I know Isaiah Wright starts. Other than that, I have no idea who starts. I think Cam Sims starts. I don't know. As far as running back goes, their running back is Antonio Gibson. They also have Bryce Love, uh, draft pick out of Stanford, but I haven't seen him rush too much. They also have Lamar Miller. They have a lot of rushing or running backs on their roster. Mm, JD McKissick is there as well. Interesting. Interesting. Anyways. Oh, they got they drafted Thaddeus Moss. Totally forgot about Thaddeus Moss. Uh, and they got Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas is, is pretty good. So he'll, he'll be a good, he'll be, he'll be one of those players to look out for in the game. But I think the Bucks, I think their offense will eventually get past that defense. And I don't think it's going to be that, that long before the offense figures out how to, how to deal with that defense. And I think this game is going to end up being like a 10 point victory for the Bucks. I really do. So I think they'll cover and I think they're going to win obviously. And that's going to do it for Saturday's games. So let's go right into Sunday's games. Sunday's game starts at 10 a.m. with the Baltimore Ravens playing at the Tennessee Titans. This is a great game. I honestly don't know who's going to win this game. It's hard to say. The last matchup they played, Tennessee beat them 30-24, to and that was on November 22nd. This will be very interesting. Uh, as far as statistics go, Baltimore's got a really good defense, and Tennessee has an okay defense as long as you're not talking about passing yards allowed per game. Because when it comes down to passing yards allowed, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Baltimore is really bad with passing yards allowed. I'm jeez. Okay, Des had a brain fart. I'm gonna reverse. Okay, we rewinded. Baltimore Ravens defense is awesome in every category. Don't get me wrong. Baltimore Ravens defense are sixth in yards per game, sixth in passing yards per game, eighth in rushing yards per game, second in points per game, and second in third down percentage enemy third down percentage they're awesome it's their offense that they're not so good with passing passing yards per game for the offense they're 32nd in the league very low rushing yards per game they're 19th in the league still a little low for someone who you know who was so good last year you want to see that a little bit higher however rushing yards per game they're actually first and if you're wondering wow they're first i wonder who's second it's tennessee tennessee is second and they're second by a wide margin rushing yards per game for baltimore 191.9, so basically 192. Rushing yards per game for Tennessee, 168.1. So, excuse me, basically 168. That's kind of nuts. That's a huge margin. That's a 20-point margin. That's a 22-point margin. That's significant. 
I think that's something to watch. Uh, but they do have Derrick Henry, so, you know, Derrick Henry is great. But the rushing defense for Baltimore is eighth in the league. That's pretty good. And the uh, the defense of the Baltimore Ravens, by the way, beats the defense of the Tennessee Titans in every statistic because the defense of the Tennessee Titans is pretty bad. They're 28th. The Titans are 28th in yards per game as a defense, 29th in passing yards as a defense, 19th in rushing yards, 24th in points per game, and dead last, 32nd in, third, in enemy third down percentage. Their offense, however, is pretty good. They're third in yards per game, 23rd in passing yards, which isn't great, but they're better than the uh, than the Baltimore Ravens. Second in rushing yards, fourth in points per game, and fifth in third down percentage. So if they're able to score points, then that offense may be able to keep it a game against Baltimore, but I am picking Baltimore win this game. Baltimore's favored by three and a half points. I can't say that they're going to win by more than three points. But I think they'll win for sure. So it's interesting. It's very interesting. I think Tennessee absolutely has a chance to win because they're one of those teams that just seems to play to their opponent a little bit. But I think they can win this game. It depends how they play. I think Tennessee is possibly could win this game, but I think Baltimore is the safest choice here. I think Baltimore's defense is just too imposing, especially if they play well, that it's like there's just no way. Marquise Brown is a great threat especially if Lamar Jackson can run a little bit because then he'll open up the throwing lanes and he'll be able to throw real easy I think Baltimore will win I don't know if they'll cover I mean it's kind of a toss-up it's almost like a 50-50 will they cover or not I'm gonna say Baltimore will not cover but they will win the game that's my that's my prediction then the game after that is the 1 40 p.m pacific or um 4 40 p.m eastern game of the Chicago Bears and the New Orleans Saints. It's being played in New Orleans. The Bears are starting Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, is that's all I have to say, right? That's all I have to say. I I think it's clear who's going to win this game. Now, the Saints are only favored by nine and a half points. And when they played on November 1st, the Saints only won by three points. But That was when Nick Foles was still quarterbacking the Bears, and that was also while Drew Brees was out with injury and Taysom Hill was quarterbacking the Saints. They're a much different team with Drew Brees quarterbacking them. I think everybody knows that's true. So we'll just have to see. And I think Michael Thomas will will be playing. I don't think there's any reason why he wouldn't. Uh, I mean, this game is going to be over in the first quarter. The the defense of the Bears, don't get me wrong, they're, they're still pretty good. Okay, they're not quite as dominant as they used to be, but they're still pretty good. You know, in yards per game, they're 11th. Passing yards per game, they're 12th. Rushing yards per game, they're 15th. Points per game, they're tied for 13th. And third enemy third down percentage, they're 8th. Okay, those none of those pop out as horrible. They could be better. None of them pop out as horrible, though. But let me read you the Saints rundown. Chicago was 11th in yards per game. Well, the Saints are 4th in yards per game, defensively allowed. As far as passing yards, uh, Chicago was 12th. Passing yards for the Saints, they're fifth. And that's per game. That's including the time that, you know, averaging the time that Drew Brees wasn't there. So it might have even been worse if they played the entire time. In rushing yards, Chicago was 15th. New Orleans is fourth. Points per game allowed, tied for 13th for Chicago, tied for fifth for New Orleans. And then third down percentage is the only stat that Chicago's winning in. And get this, Chicago is eighth in the league with 38.1% of the time the enemy makes a third down. 
the Saints are ninth with 38.2. Basically the same. So very interesting. Um, I think there's no defensive uh, edge for the Bears. I think there's really a defensive edge for the Saints because the offense of the Bears is awful, just so bad. 25th in total yards per game, 22nd in passing yards, 25th in rushing yards, tied for 22nd in points per game, and 31st in third down percentage, and they somehow made the playoffs. Are you kidding? New Orleans is so much better than them in every single statistic. Tied for 13th in yards per game, whereas Chicago was 25th. Tied for 19th, or not tied, 19th in the league on passing yards, where uh, Chicago was 22nd. You're thinking, well, that's not that much better, but... Uh, you know, Chicago hasn't beaten them in one statistic except for third down percentage, if you want to count that. I think it's about the same. I don't really agree necessarily with that. Rushing yards, Chicago was 25. New Orleans is sixth. Points per game, Chicago was tied for 22nd. New Orleans is fifth. Third down percentage for the offense, how, how often you convert. They were almost last in the league. They're 31st for Chicago. For New Orleans, eighth in the league. It's over a 10 percentage point difference for for uh, 8th to 31st. They convert over 10% more on third down than Chicago does. And there's no chance Chicago has to win this game. There's absolutely none. I think this game, they should have been favored by two touchdowns, uh, the Saints, and they're absolutely going to win. Easy. There's not even a question about it. Although, interesting news, if you, if you care, that is, this game will be aired on Nickelodeon. Very interesting. I don't know why, but they're airing it on Nickelodeon, which I think is such an unfortunate, such an unfortunate thing that, I mean, I, it should be illegal. They're basically going to be showing kids a murder because the saints are going to absolutely wipe the field with the bears. I mean, the bears have, I think zero chance unless Unless there's like a freak accident and someone gets injured on the on the Saints, which I don't think anybody would hope for. You never hope for anyone to get injured. And if you do, that's kind of unethical and, and you know, very low morals. You know, unless that happens, there's no chance. The Bears have absolutely no chance to win this game. I'm sorry, but that's it. I'm done talking about it. The Saints will win and they will cover. Then the last game, we're on the last game. I know it's a little bit long on the podcast, but we're on the last game. It's the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, interestingly enough, Juju Smith-Schuster was talking mad trash. Mad trash. He was saying that he's really glad that they're playing the Browns because it's the same Browns team they always play, and they're not afraid of them, and they can't wait to go out there and win or something. I don't know. I'm reading between the lines, but... Basically, he said something along the lines of, like, they're the same gray, emotionless faces we face all the time. Like, it, they don't even seem like real people, which is kind of nuts. I think he probably should just shut up and beat them and then trash talk them after you're done beating them. I'm not a fan of trash talk before a game because I think the only thing it can possibly do is make the enemy play better. But here's the thing. Kevin Stefanski, the head coach, was in contact with somebody who was tested positive for COVID. So he is now not going to be able to play or not be, be able to coach in this game. It's been tough. I mean, I don't know how you don't, I mean, the coach can't coach. I mean, I don't, it's nuts. You're playing a playoff game and the coach can't coach. That is the first time I've ever heard of that, ever. 
you know, when, and it's not like a medical reason. He, he's not actually sick. He just came in contact with somebody, so he has to quarantine. It's kind of nuts. Or maybe he does. That The last time I saw an update, it was that he wasn't, he did not have COVID, but he was placed on the COVID list because he came into close contact with someone who did. Anyways, let's just talk about some statistics real quick and get on with this game. I think we all know the Pittsburgh Steelers should win this game. I don't think there should even be a chance that they lose. But I do think that the Browns, you know, they have two options here. They either play like they don't have a head coach and they look awful and they lose. Or they play really, really hard and they play a little angry and they come out with a lot of intensity in the first half and they, they, you know, they put up some points on the Steelers. And, you know, they, 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 there's a close game at the end where the Steelers actually have to be playing in the fourth quarter. And I think that's totally something that's, that's possible. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. I don't think it's very likely, but I think it's possible for sure. By stats, uh, these offenses, let's see how they stack up. Yards per game, Cleveland is 18th, and Pittsburgh is 26th. It's a, it's a difference of about eh, almost 40 yards. The passing yards per game, Cleveland is 24th and Pittsburgh is 15th. So, you know, that's a big, that that's a 30-yard swing for Pittsburgh there. They, they throw about 30 more yards per game. However, rushing yards per game, Cleveland is third in the league with 148. They're definitely a rushing team. Um, and Pittsburgh is not. Pittsburgh is actually 32nd in the league with 84.4 yards per game. So that's a huge swing back to Cleveland. Points per game, 14th in the league for Cleveland, uh, 12th in the league for Pittsburgh. It's only half a point difference. It's not that much. Third down percentage, how often they make their third downs. Cleveland is 7th in the league with 45% and uh, 42.2 for Pittsburgh. They're 14th. So offensively, Cleveland actually has a little bit of an upper hand based on the statistics, which is weird to say considering that the Pittsburgh Steelers you know, should have a better offense in all reality. And, but defense is where this game is going to be decided, and we all know that. Defensively in yards per game, Cleveland is 18th, while the Steelers are 5th. Passing yards per game, 22nd for Cleveland and 3rd for Pittsburgh. So that's why this game, I think, is going to go to Pittsburgh because, or, or sorry, rushing yards per game. The Cleveland Browns are 9th uh, at rushing at a, a rushing yards allowed per game and uh the Steelers are tied for 10th. It's only the difference of about mm, 0.6 or sorry point uh, uh brain fart brain fart yeah 0.6. So it's not a big difference. They're basically tied in rushing defense, which means the Steelers might not be able to run. That's fine. They're not a rushing team. But the Browns won't necessarily be able to run, and that's going to really throw things off for the Browns if they can't find a way to get their running game started. You know, it, and and I don't really don't think they will. I don't think they will. I think the only reason they won the last game was because Mason Rudolph started the entire game, and there was no Ben Roethlisberger, and it, they still almost lost. It was twenty four to twenty two. Uh, as far as points per game, twenty first for Cleveland and third for Pittsburgh, and that's points allowed per game. And then, uh, and that's a difference of, of a touchdown, basically. There's a little bit less than a touchdown. And then third down percentage, Cleveland Browns, uh, they stop their opponent, or their, their opponent's only able to convert 43.9% of the time. That's good for 23rd. For the Steelers, only 37.4% of the time. That's good for fifth. 
So I think there's a clear upper hand for the defense against the Browns. And to be completely honest, I do think, I do think that the Steelers are going to win this game. The Steelers are favored. Let's see. I think they're favored by six points. Steelers are favored by six points. I uh, want to say they'll cover, but I actually, I think they won't cover. I think the Browns will put up a fight. They're not going to cover, but they're certainly going to win. And that's, that's, that's how, that's what I'm sticking with. That's what I'm going with. So if you want to run down just real quick before I end podcast, there were six games we talked about for the playoffs. Indianapolis Colts and Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills will win and they will cover the 6.5 points they're, they're favored by. LA Rams and Seattle Seahawks. I think if Goff plays, the Rams, the Rams will, uh, the Seahawks will at least not cover if, if Goff plays. I think this, the, the Rams will win if Goff plays as well. If Goff doesn't play or he's not able to play, I think the Seahawks will win and cover. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will win and cover their game against the Washington football team. There's a Cleveland Browns and Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers will win, but the Browns will make sure the Steelers don't cover. The Baltimore Ravens against Tennessee Titans. Baltimore Ravens will win, but I don't think they'll cover. And then for Chicago Bears at New Orleans Saints, Seattle Saints, uh, the Saints will win and they will cover. That is my rundown. We'll see what how I did uh, on the next episode of the podcast when I'm reviewing. I'm reviewing. I'm basically going to do a review of the first round and then a preview of the next round. But for right now, that's what I'm, I'm going with. It's a lock. It's a stone cold lock. Take it to the bank. Just kidding. Don't use me as a betting guide. I uh, am not going to accept any responsibility. If you do, that's your choice alone. And I love you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. This is going to, this is going to wrap up the Desda sports podcast for this week. Uh, have a happy playoffs, everybody. Hopefully you get to watch a lot of games. And um, if you can't, well, there's always DVR anyways. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I've had a great time. It's been it's been awesome doing the podcast again. I've been really happy to get back into it. And I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast as well. I am always looking for new ways to get better at the podcast. If you noticed, there were some new sound bites uh, this time on the podcast. So definitely let me know. If you have any if you have any other changes you like to see on the podcast, you can reach me at my Twitter at Des Does Podcast. One word, but the first D is capital. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm gonna clock out for real now. I'm gonna sign off for real now, not clock out. I'm, I'm thinking about work apparently. Anyways, I'm Des, and I just did sports. And you know what? I'll do it again. I'll see you next week. Bye bye for now, everybody. <laughs>